welcome everyone to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Sorry, everyone. I had a problem with the elevator. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 107, Felling Tree with Roots, is brought to you by Harold and Son Body Disposal. We keep them in the family. <laughs> well done, Pete. And want to say well done to our listeners. Thank you so much for the uh, the outpouring and showing of support after uh, yeah, after we shared a, uh, shall we say, a somewhat spicy review last time. Certainly great to hear from people, whether it was on iTunes, Twitter, email, etc. Just really great to feel the love, Pete. Our hearts were glowing, much like the Iron Fist glows. Couldn't say it better myself. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. Our teaser, Matt, begins in Harold's penthouse, someplace we like to begin a lot of episodes, it seems, recently. Um, he's inside the hyperbaric chamber. It's quiet. He's sleeping. There's a thud. Suddenly a handprint on the outside of the chamber. There's keypad beeping. His eyes open. S, 30th of the series. Indeed, Pete, he is awoken in his Neverland slumber tube. So that's how he looks so young, Pete. He doesn't look 70 years old at all. But it is, I thought, perhaps not the hand, because we see two mid-level goons. Pete, turns out I was judging a little early there, uh, because the hand employs all sorts of folks. It's uh, It could be mid-level goons such as these guys. Um, they admire Pete, his milk thistle, not a metaphor. Um, he <laughs> it's good is, for the liver. Uh, it, it, it is. It is brought to him this idea that Danny has met Madame Gao, and uh, they were, were making him aware that Gao knows that Danny's the Iron Fist. Hey, Pete, an Iron Fist, what is that? A, um, gee whiz, Pete, how do I put this on our G-rated podcast? He wonders if perhaps it's a mechanical marital aid. You you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to go with the uh, the marital aid there. How about a relationship enhancer? Battery operated buzzing relationship enhancer. Absolutely. Bear. Um, B a r e. <laughs> wow, um, Pete. This is quickly turning into Fantastic Geek After Dark. No, no, no. You do the Fantastic Geek, and then you say After Dark. Fantastic Geek. After dark. Uh, anyhow, that that's for all you that's for all you hardcore fans out there. Anyhow, hardcore. Pete, uh, the goons they wonder if perhaps Harold is a fool after all. Regardless, he needs to pay a price, even if he's a fool. Um, Pete turns out that the other guy, because main guy does not get named in the episode, but the he other does. guy, he, he does, he does in the subtitles, yo. <sighs> that is Alexi, talky guy. Alexi, okay. Vando, of course, uh, the the one without the tongue. Indeed, Pete, he was a fool twice over. Now he's missing missing a finger because he screwed up and his fingers. Tongue, fingers. Pete, I wasn't sure how many fingers he lost, in part because there's some finger miscounting later on. We'll get to that in due course. Um, but fingers missing because he screwed up and his tongue because he lied. Pete, in the hand, when they say hold your tongue, they mean that they are going to hold your tongue and cut it out. With that, Pete, in one of the more 
writerly yet really funny moments of the series. Harold swears he has, has had nothing to do with this with this Danny Rand. On his children. Ding goes the elevator. In walks Danny Rand. Hey, Harold, we have a problem. <laughs> it was great. I wanted to be kind of curmudgeonly and be like, it's hand of the writer. Guess what? It's all hand of the writer. It's just how how hard does the writer press you get to get away with this when it's that darn good pete take us through the fight that breaks out well hand uh of the writer certainly and i don't uh, don't, don't get it i don't get that (laughs) the uh the hand of uh warden ward meacham of uh, harold meacham reaches for the knife he stabs alexi um vando pulls his gun uh, Danny dodges several bullets and he's fighting with him in close proximity. Um, we learn in a little bit, as I teased in our previous episode, there is an explanation for why Danny won't just go to his hand or fist um, every single time. But as Danny is tangling with Vando, uh, Harold comes up behind him and gives him a second smile from ear to ear, which prompts Danny to say, you killed them. Indeed. And, and and he's rather shocked by this. And uh, it's at this point where let's just reflect for a moment. uh, Harold has stabbed Alexi and Vando both. Uh, If you count the throat slit as a stab, how about, How about Harold has knifed both of them to death? And uh, it's at this point, Pete, that uh, Danny explains he couldn't call upon the Iron Fist. Too much use of it drains the chi. There's, Pete, sort of a zen refractory period going on here. We're learning all sorts of things about the mystical arts and sciences. Absolutely. Um, Harold explains he had no choice. They were going to kill you, Danny. And keeping Danny alive is very important to Harold because... uh, that obviously could keep Harold alive. It's also repeated here that Gao knew Danny's father. And Pete, I don't want to blow up a theory, but blonde-haired Danny tells blonde Harold this idea that Gao has met Danny's father. Hmm. Let's take a pin in that for later. Harold, at this point, even seems to change the subject. He sympathetically tells Danny that they need to wrap things up and move on. Harold will take care of the bodies, but Gao needs to think that they completed their job. How are they going to do that? What's the job? To they, they need they were there to remind Harold of his mistakes, and then he cuts his own finger on camera. Holy crow! The most gripping teaser act thus far. Absolutely. The one thing that I would add there is the words that came from Gao to Harold when he met her on his deathbed, live in service to the hand or die in the dark. Pete, it's like the mantra with which you grew up, skate or die. Nice. We get the title card. We come back to Ward in his office. Uh, No one, of course, would have recognized him at that urgent care place pete you know i mean real people have have personal doctors with long lush hair they don't go to hospitals Ugh. um joy well, nobody at the club you know <laughs> indeed 
Um, Joy worries and continues uh, to to ride him emotionally. What else did he has he been taking? Uh, Ward says that she has no idea of the responsibilities and pressures that he's under, and she can't know. Yelling, Ward, you just can't know. And it works because of the larger secret that he's covering certainly sets up an interesting idea at the end of this episode with everything that goes on with Harold, but the joy doesn't know about Harold that he cannot tell her that there have been threats levied that Harold's still trying to get out from under the hand. Um, and I, Danny I, I don't could, understand Pete. I still don't. Understand. <laughs> Danny could potentially be, the source of that deliverance. So keep your secrets, Ward. With that, Ward gets a call from Frank Stein. Joy asks if that his if that's his dealer. Uh, Pete, that N is so important because then you start to understand the rich subtext of nom de plume, etc. Uh, he, of course, won't say who it is, and Joy is upset but leaves, which is handy because the scene continues. You see how these writers do it? Uh, with Ward picking up the call, Harold needs help at the penthouse. Ward's kind of on the fence, but then Harold deploys Pete, his greatest weapon. I need your help, son. I need you. That's enough to get Ward going. Also, um, enough to convince me that maybe Harold is not a native New Yorker, but... Uh, to be fair, I think that his uh, his Americanese accent is pretty good. Yes, um, and the the manipulative aspect of Harold, on top of Wenham's performance, particularly in this episode, and the 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 frenzied, maniacal, manipulative way that he plays this character, um, I particularly dug. Over at the dojo, Danny's knife wound from last episode is being stitched up by Colleen this episode. She says she can kind of sort of do this. I say, lady, you can do whatever you set your mind to on this, the last day of International Women's Month. But I digress, Pete. He's thinking maybe they could go to the hospital. He could say he got mugged. She assures him after what happened in the previous episode with Radovan that the hospital is not safe. She does not think his ribs are broken, but they're badly bruised. He feels his whole body is bruised, but she points out any tournament of death you can walk away from. Um, but he points out that he's still lost. Though it may have been rigged to begin with, with Madame Gao. Two thoughts, Pete. First of all, the poetry of the episode, his statement, my whole body feels like a bruise. Second of all, we enter what I like to call Exposition Valley here. Danny shares the name Madame Gao. Colleen thinks it sounds like Gao runs the best little cat house in the hand. Uh, we have a quick little pause for some booze poured over the wound as Danny is patched up. Turns out the booze is for sipping too. Uh, Colleen pours each of them a glass because she hates to drink alone. The exposition also floweth a lovely story. Tangential does nothing for the plot other than to add beauty, and I'm okay with it. Danny talking about the harvesting of plum wine back in Kunlun. The wine was so sweet and tasted so warm in the dead of winter. It is a lovely portion there. Uh, and Colleen agrees and wants to hear another story. 
maybe an expositional backstory about how he got that sweet, sweet tattoo. The mark of the iron fist. Well, That's the one. not so much a tattoo there, but hey, what is that iron fist anyway? Well, Matt, it's funny that you ask. It's a unique force uh, given to protect uh, Kunlun past generation to generation, given to one student in the monastery to yield. That's exactly what it is. Why was he chosen? He wasn't chosen. He earned it. What does it do? Mm, it's complicated. But it lets him harness his chi, enhances his strength, his focus. Oh, and don't laugh, Matt. It makes his hand light up. That moment is the what would you prefer yellow spandex moment because they both giggle at the ridiculousness of it. And there's some more exposition. Radovan was supposed to be protected by them, but uh, they didn't do a good enough job. And now Gao has him, and Danny quite can't quite uh, figure out how to stop them. Then Pete. In, in an episode, Pete, that already has been been tinged in our analysis with a little bit of, of R-rated uh, figurings here. Danny gets up to leave. The scene quickly uh, turns into being all about sensual close-ups, hand-holding. Colleen wants him to stay. Pete, at this point, I stopped watching the episode. Do you know why? Um, it was past your bedtime? No. My screen melted because two <laughs> such good-looking people make the screen just, just burn up. Off comes his shirt. We get the beefcake tattoo touch and yowza, a long shot of more clothes coming off. Thank goodness, Pete, that mine pure eyes only had to spy the close-ups of them smooching to the sweet, sinful synth music because, Pete, they were a you know. Whoa, Matt. Are you sure, without an explicit rating on iTunes, you want to discuss this? Yes. Definitely yes. The skyline then comes into view, Matt. Ward is looking... Wait, wait, Pete, if I may, the skyline had a smoking chimney... We'll just let our <laughs> listeners figure out the metaphor there. The chimney has done blown its top. Ward is on his way to see his father. The uh, the hallway mirror catches his eye. He looks his, at his hair. And uh, not to the effect in the previous episode when he was in full-blown withdrawal uh, mode. But, um, you know, certainly close enough that they're they're using and uh photographing him in such a way to show that where meanwhile matt in the penthouse it's harold and hammer time and uh as ward comes in and sees this going on and there's close-ups of the faces and then he's retching and then he goes to barf in the ice bucket where there is already a finger Indeed, I, I suspect his father's finger. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. Which, by the way, and I realize I didn't mention it at the, at the time. It was a kitchen was... accident. <laughs> That's true. Uh, notice, by the way, that the show only shows Harold removing a finger. Uh, I believe he was going to have two taken, but I'm glad the show showed a little restraint there. Regardless, though, Ward is outraged once he's able to keep his cookies down. He's not there to be the lackey to drop bodies in the park. Pops reminds him of that time that they went hunting. Gotta, gotta clean your kill. Maybe that wasn't him. Maybe it was his sister. Simultaneously, Can we Pete. Please get a flashback 
Um, if, if, if Wenham is truly done after this episode, can we please just get a flashback of, of him teaching, teaching joy to hunt? So yeah, that, that would just resonate beautifully. And I love the, the shades with which David Wenham paints emotionally over his son. And it's an opportunity to call his son a girl, but by no way make that an insult to the females of the species. Um, it's it, it it's great. It's a great character moment. It's nice writing where you can just suggest a lowering of word, but while while simultaneously elevating joy, um, which I think is something we're okay with because you know so far we've seen joy make perhaps morally gray like objectively morally gray decisions however kind of in her role as as uh chief counsel for this company make decisions that are in the best interests of the company and the shareholders and once again the show has me defending that nonsense but you understand my point i don't i don't think we've seen her cross a true moral line ward absolutely she's also the one not with a pill problem nor presumably uh, having uh, ridden the horse of heroin. So she's the stronger sibling here, Pete. Also having ripped on Ward's toughness on several occasions, including using the P word that that other blonde head of a corporation prefers. But wait, Pete, hold on. I read on another website that I'm supposed to be outraged that Marvel... Uh, television is so awful to women what with the the over 50 leadership shown by ming na wen and the you know rags to riches uh power story shown by uh, chloe bennett or the smart science shown by elizabeth henstridge or and on and on and on and on whether we go shield jessica jones agent carter uh the how netflix shows Colleen wing how about jerry hogarth how about uh a little uh, person named Claire Temple across the entire uh, Defenders mythology here. So I don't know what those people are watching. Sometimes you work for clicks. And by the way, I said clicks. I didn't say listens. I'm, I'm throwing some shade elsewhere, friends. Um, but of course, back to the story. We have a quick cut to Ward uh, loading both bodies into his car. I briefly wondered... How does one get a body from the penthouse to the basement? But you know what? Here's how. Through the magic of editing, he's just there. <laughs> he does it successfully. He's not caught. And Therefore, one in the back seat, not one, not yeah. both in the trunk. And I get it. Maybe Vando is bigger and, and back there. But he's got a body wrapped in plastic sheeting in plain view. So he can have a discussion with it when he arrives in Pelham Bay Park. Again, hand of the writer. But... Hope he stopped at every uh, red light and and didn't uh, didn't go over the the speed limit in the twenty five mile per hour uh, zones that are Manhattan. I think Pete, though, what's most important is that that he knew that in this touchy situation, it was important to wrap it up. But back to the car, Ward finds the. Again, kind of hand of the writer didn't bother me at the time, but he finds, you know, that errant bottle with a few spare pills. Now, to be fair, if he's abusing the pills and he's figured out a way to be hitting those refills faster than he should, 
I guess fair is fair. He might have one hanging around. I he, thought this was one that that he found it in the back seat. This is not one he had earmarked. Um, so definitely uh, a way for him to cope at this point that he takes one of the four left and then swallows the rest indicates obviously the emotional strain that he's under gets to the place. Uh, he's going to drop them off, has a one-sided conversation. Uh, think I, I don't know how messed up this is. Uh, He's not a child, Matt. And as he's Mm. straining to, uh, get these two bodies into the swamp and to get them to take on water and go down, not an easy task. Bodies naturally float, particularly dead bodies. Sometime Matt, I'll have to tell you my story about covering a body being pulled out of, um, the Hudson river after three weeks and the color and the smell wow (laughs) a story for another day but that's that's immediately more gross than anything we see in this episode and we saw a man cut off his own finger you know what's gross though matt when you check on your phone your um personal account balance and it's to the penny 25 million $442,071, Matt, to the penny, a sin committed later in the episode when uh, Harold looks at the balance. And it is also, it's a, it's a far different amount, but it is again, to the penny, you know, can you throw us some crooked numbers there after the decimal to understand that uh, we're not rounding off? Pete, I thought that the larger crime was that he only had $27 million in his bank account. 25. I, 25. I guess that's what it's like being a poor. And and I, I don't know. I just found it very disappointing indeed. The next morning, though, Colleen awakens. Danny isn't next to her, but he is at the window looking out at the quiet city. Pete, he talks about last night, blushing like the newbie that he is. And I have to say, Pete, no no uh, metaphor here, no kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It is a really nice moment for Colleen, who clearly entered that evening a confident woman of the world and remains one. And it, it was a nice uh, flip on kind of the traditional gender thing where he's kind of like, hey, about last night. And she's like, hey, that was really that was really great. But it wasn't. Well, Pete, it wasn't new, and that's okay. I like where she takes it to controlling the conversation, talking about his cloak of bravado. She wears one, too, that he doesn't need to do it with her, wear the cloak of bravado, Um, and that it keeps people at bay, but uh, that it's not necessary between the two of them. The story proceeds to Rand Tower, where Danny asks that that fine executive suite lady, uh, fine because of the quality of the job she does, uh, mm-hmm. to get all of his father's files on a woman named Gao. Pete, even if it's a lot of files, he's got a big office, which is a really nice line. And uh, in retrospect, a setup for what's about to happen. Um, simultaneous to this, Joy grabs Danny, perhaps not simultaneous since it's joy grabbing danny right after it joy grabs danny and shows him the apology he's going to give to the board no no Uh, no no it's a statement matt but it reads like an apology but officially it's a statement 
Functionally, it's an apology. He notes that 15 cases of cancer can't be a coincidence. Once again, old Matt here is going to somehow be forced to defend the big bad company. It is true that 15 cases of non-familiar people uh, getting cancer might be might be unusual, but that doesn't necessarily demonstrate a statistical cluster. I am not going to tell you, listeners, where uh, Matt lives. However, I am going to tell you that he lives in a town that had a very well-publicized cancer cluster in the late 80s, early 90s that was depicted in a John Travolta movie. Well, Pete, paint me as you might for being unsympathetic. Joy rips into Danny for assuming that she is unsympathetic. With that, the elevator opens and Madam Gao gets off. This is as surprising a moment as the you try chumming this stuff scene from Jaws. Turn uh, around, Joy. Turn around. True. Uh, Gao raises a finger of attention, you know, kind of the excuse me, waiter, finger to Danny. Um, he steps out, moving to his office. And Gao is there. Pete, let's talk about costuming here. Her blocky shoes, which she wears kind of with her her toes pointing outward, it adds a little weird, I will say quite frankly, penguin from Gotham uh, aspect to the character, but it just just works. Um, I wonder if it's part of the actress putting the character on, that when, when those shoes are on and she's, you know, clonking around, that that just somehow says Madame Gao to her. Well, Wai Ching Ho just brings such life to a character you don't want to like, but here has to kind of be likable. You know, she's she's dropping off a plant that the the feng shui in your uh, office, your father's old office, given the discussion they had at the end of the previous episode that she apparently knew him um is off that poison arrows matt can over the over time uh you know poison the soul indeed and uh further revelation well we got it last episode that she has known a prior iron fist turns out she has known multiple prior iron fists uh he asks if that is why she's using the symbol of the dragon albeit without wings which is something you zeroed in on a few episodes ago pete she says that she has been alive long enough to see the world change in many ways. More recently, she's seen the devil of Hell's Kitchen, huh? Mm-hmm. The man with unbreakable mm-hmm. skin. She doesn't mention Jessica Jones. I mean, come on. Hiss. That's that's points off there, you know? Oh, and there's this, you know, badass uh jewel uh who can jump around and Indeed, Pete, perhaps a, a woman who can jump into the sky. Something for Jessica Jones here. I uh, I mean, you call out the two. You can't call out the other one. I mean, come on. Um, I, we, I will we, we couldn't say, spend though, five Matt, more minutes in the writer's room to come up with something. <laughs> uh, we, we'll, we'll get it belatedly next episode. Oh, thank goodness. Um, more importantly... Well, I mean, nothing's more important to Jessica Jones, but more important to this scene is that Danny has somehow left Kun Lun. He wanted to be Danny Rand more than being the Iron Fist, which has been expressed in prior episodes, but I don't think was stated as clearly as on the nose as here. She calls him out that uh, he's left not um, to fulfill duty, but in dereliction of it. And with 
this historical tipping point, a devil in hell's kitchen, a man with unbreakable skin, a badass uh, private eye who has mad ups that she didn't mention. Um, we have an opportunity, she says, uh, that his history will report that we are mortal enemies, the iron fist and the hand, but maybe it doesn't need to be that way in the spirit of change here. Indeed. Why doesn't he just stop the war, enjoy his money, enjoy being with Claire Temple and uh, Colleen Wing? Oh, it was so cold too. (laughs) Yes. Name checking both suggesting shenanigans she says that he is a businessman and this is the best offer he's going to get madam gow inspiring the best of the writing room here yeah and by the way don't forget to water your plant it's your responsibility now she gets in that elevator he watches her produce a key card uh Uh. and scan it and uh you know head on down he takes a second there to consider opens the door to the elevator shaft um, looks at his fist there asks the Buddha for guidance to help him with his descent and uh, probably going to hurt I would imagine even with an iron fist it would I love what happens it's particularly comic booky in the elevator there's the thud she looks at bearded guard who then just kind of shrugs, and it's all good. They reach the 13th floor, which uh, the the uh, elevator screen says requires special access. Probably it's also a set redress of the 45th floor, but that's how it goes. Um, back we go to the 45th floor for a moment. Uh, Ward is looking up some travel plans, maybe to leave, maybe to detox. Central America. We certainly, we know in the past he's looked for a way out of his uh, current lot in life. Uh, Joy updates Ward that Danny is going to apologize. And then Pete, in what becomes a really heartfelt scene, Joy apologizes to her brother. She tells uh, him that she loves him. And the actress, though, shows such strength, not losing the high ground despite kind of opening up to him. Both of them, indeed, give a really heartfelt performance here, connecting on an emotional, familial level. Uh, she says that she worries for him, and he looks repri- uh, relieved to have this this respite, this reprieve from his his awful crimes here. Just a really, I mean, this is a scene that's about these two actors acting. I don't mean to say that the di- suggest that the dialogue is insufficient, but this is not a scene that's about dialogue. This is a scene that re- relies on their performances. If I had one problem with their dual apologies here, it's that she said um, what happened to him is partly her fault too. I can't really accept that. Um, His drive to addiction is in any way in anybody else's hands. But um, it sets up moments later in the story that – he will head out that she can handle it there. Those, those discreet places that, uh, she thinks it's a good idea. Everything there. You just gotta let me know when you're safe before we head downstairs, Matt, to the sirenly Sophia. Danny is listening to Sophia give Gow a report. 
uh, name checking the dogs of hell. That biker gang from the uh, Russians too, man. I thought yeah. the Russians were were done, Matt. It's good to know that they are covering uh, most of Lower Manhattan and New Jersey. Next time you're looking for some H, Pete. We the very notion that 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 the Russians could be anywhere in New York is 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 astonishing having meetings and such uh but the name checker of the dogs of hell that uh that much despised biker group from agents of shield that made its way to daredevil season two they're going to distribute to the south um rand shipping of course is going to continue to play a role in all of this uh gal also in a really curious uh and i'm not complaining but a curious scene a moment in the scene says that the office should be brightened up and Sophia says that she'll put in an order for lamps, which I almost felt like they were talking at cross purposes, but Gao didn't seem to correct her. So it, it, it was a weird character affect. Perhaps it'll be a big, big thing in the next episode with the lamps. I don't know. Gao um, points out that these are not partners, that they work for us. Uh, need to remind them of that was particularly menacing and also that the chemist is almost ready to give us his formula then we'll be ready for mass production gal leaves and uh, danny confronts sophia she knows some martial arts moves I, I i like that she uh she was able to fight back but is quickly um bent over the table not kind of awkward um she notes that uh that her poison the heroin isn't that much different from the poison being sold and peddled on the top floor, which is a really interesting nuance there and one worth keeping in mind. Um, regardless though, he wants more info from her anonymous screen device tablet thing. Um, back we go to the dojo Pete and Bakudo is back, you know, good old Bakudo from, um, <laughs> Well, the show treats it like we're supposed to be like, hey, it's Bakudo. Welcome Colleen. back, Bakudo. Welcome back. <laughs> um, he says hello to Colleen. He's heard the dojo is under new management. She corrects him. Ownership, not management. Pete, that's where I had the slightest little question of a thread here. And I know that the show is not taking us in this direction. That's probably unfair, but... Here's a slightly different narrative. That maybe the sh- maybe this is a rough edge the show should have uh stand it off somehow danny rand buys a building where the girl he likes works time goes by she sleeps with him oh it's it's definitely attention grabbing that he uses it bakudo does in this scene oh that's your danny rand and they proceed to have this uh conversation about him uh, over T, uh, the Iron Fist, it's really him belying what she's said to Danny about um, his Iron Fist. The way he fights, his body, his heart, it's like a san- second language. It's really inspiring. Sounds like she truly cares for him, but got to be cautious. He's beginning to attract a lot of attention. With that comes a lot of danger. And she is aware, but for now, do as you are. Bakudo, Matt, will be in touch. 
Back on the old 45th floor we go. Danny hops off the elevator disheveled and carrying the mysterious tablet device. Megan helps him put a new shirt on. I love how that whole scene uh, unfolds there. She, the dutiful secretary, who of course has spare shirts ready to go. I love that in this in this kind of uh you know modern looking office that there are there's closet space that looks like it's the wall but of course it's closet space she um, notices his scars too but doesn't get a glimpse of the mark of the iron fist it's it, it's 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 a deftly handled scene uh also in his office because we're kind of pulling double duty here he's running late she needs to bring him to the office the things he wanted in the office are there uh, it's his father's things. It's a banker's box with an envelope carrying only his ID badge. Uh, she says that, of course, things could go missing over time. I think there's the slight, the slightest hint from her that if there was any good, good stuff there, it's now gone. Um, Speaking asks, of good, is this a good company, Matt? You know, to work for? Sure, but they lost. The assistants did their dental. Uh, in the last contract and the plant video, you know, Hey Megan, what do you, what do you think about all that? Well, turns out her mom lives on Staten Island. The implied answer to his question, is this a good company is a resounding no from her with that. He wants to make a few phone calls, which I will admit I thought was merely a delaying tactic to get him late to the, uh, to the board meeting. But It'll, it'll come back and play in a moment. Um, there's tension in the air at the board meeting. He comes on in. He, he is immediately off script. He has made a decision. The plant will be shut down and the staff kept on payroll. Uh, he's at this point reminded that he just has a courtesy vote on the board. And uh, it turns out, Pete, that this rich blonde man can play the media like a fiddle, too. He's already given the exclusive about what he just laid out to, ahem, ahem, Karen Page at the Bulletin, so it's a done deal. Wait, Karen Page, the same paralegal from Daredevil turned New York Bulletin front page journalist, Matt? Pete, you're able to get all the Karen Page and none of the pay a guest actress in this episode. <laughs> Heaven forbid we get Deborah Wall. Deborah Ann Wall in there for, you know, a phone or, or something like that. Um, you know, there's there's breaking news, even though this will go in the print newspaper tomorrow, Matt, for the kids, you know, the ones interested in business news breaking out of lower Manhattan. Um, there is breaking news on the uh, website. Rand shutters Staten Island plant keeps workers on payroll. Um so Joy closes her folder rather uh, effectively, and um, Danny explains here that they look inside themselves and do the right thing. By the way, I had wondered if in if in this scene how kind of uh, honest they were being in relation to the business world. I know there's a board, but with Danny having 51% of the ownership, is is his vote really a courtesy? Doesn't he control 51% of the votes on the board as well? Uh, I put that out on Twitter, not to make this a full mailbag thing, but uh, certainly some people, some people said, yes, it's phony baloney. Other people said it certainly could be the case. 
uh, both in the real world, plus we've seen this happen with Bruce Wayne before. I know that there's different levels or there's different classes of stock, so you can maybe have ownership without leadership and things like that. So I suspect that this is probably this and then some of the board actions later in the episode. Probably there are legit business scenarios where this could happen, no problem, where ownership doesn't necessarily denote governance and the like. Um, so again, just I, we certainly don't need to turn this into the the CNBC podcast by Fantastic Geek. Ding, um, ding, ding. Hey, if you have Rand, you really want to sell right now. They just dumped their 51% shareholder and got rid of the Meachums. Ouch. <laughs> um, bottom line, though, uh, this deal is done, at least in the media, and, and sometimes perception is reality. Danny takes all the data to Harold, who wants uh, the hand out of the company, apparently. Now, I say apparently because he's under the thumb of the hand, no pun intended. Um, so there's that motivation there. I also feel like I don't trust Harold very, very much. Not um, at all. Regardless, though, they ID the warehouse. Oh, good, Pete. A warehouse in a Marvel Netflix show. A possible um, manufacturing plant? You mean like where they're having blind people come and pick up uh, heroin and, and being driven in Russian cabs all over the city? It could be, Pete. Some of those blow up, and it certainly could be. <laughs> um, but bottom line is there's this warehouse where it's all going down, and Harold counsels that they attack with surprise. Also, that he'd be one man facing an army. Do the smart thing, Danny. Puts his hand on the shoulder there. Strike Gao down while you can. Look out for your own. Leave Radavan. He's, you know, he's small potatoes. And I'm, I'm thinking at this point, like, oh, he wants to, he's in on this heroin deal. He wants to profit, get her out of the way. It's interesting to consider all of this, and to be honest, I, I I was so in the moment that I hadn't hadn't really factored in that at least as far as I know, and I can imagine scenarios where I'm wrong, but as far as I know, um, Harold is out of the show, so we're not going to see you know surprise. Uh, my master plan was actually to maneuver around you, and I'm actually the hand chief, or you know some crazy twist like that. Um, I suppose if he came back from death once he can come back again but i digress back to the dojo pete it's something that we've been looking for uh, forward to for a long long time pete we've all been we've all been been bewitched by the the story arc of daryl going for a further karate at college university it's daryl's last day at colleen's dojo he's going to that elite training program with a university scholarship to college university a reminder, Pete, that a single arrow is easily broken, but not 10 in a bundle. Yeah, and uh, where are they going, Matt? They're going to get a bundle of arrows. With that, class is dismissed indeed, or has been dismissed. They can get that bundle of arrows. Meanwhile, as Ward is taking his fancy limo to the airport to, to go on his vacay at the K, um... His card has been declined, they call to tell him, because I guess they run it several hours before you check in. I mean, it's not impossible, <laughs> but it sure did work out well that he's like, he's on the, I don't know, what what what's the fast road that you take from Midtown Manhattan to get to, 
to get to to uh, JFK. That's the airport, JFK Airport. If you don't maybe know, maybe the belt, the belt, the belt Parkway. You know the names of those roads. I just watch them go by. <laughs> I'm the one who does the driving. <laughs> True, um, uh, but Ambergus Key, Matt. You 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 say it like it's a key, even though it it may say K. Um, they have that wouldn't uh, rhyme with vacay. Yeah, they have uh, they have special uh, you know policies down there in uh, in Central America. They they run it ahead of time, and it's it's been <laughs> declined. They've run it again. Of course, we got to check that twenty-five million dollar balance, and there's nothing left. Stop the car. <laughs> In part because I can't pay for this ride. Um, please don't, don't, don't. Oh, oh my goodness, Pete. Side. This. Is, I don't mean to turn this now into a theory segment. Just a, just a, a one or the other question, or I guess it's one of three. Does Ward have a a private driver? B does he take Lyft or C? Does he use Uber? Hashtag delete Uber. Is he taking Uber to JFK Airport? I have to think he has his own driver in the position that he is in. Back we go for the first time this episode to the Golden Palace, uh, where Danny and Colleen are are talking to the Hatchet Men. Why would they play with him? Because the hand will kill them all if uh, if they don't get in line with the hand. So here's your opportunity to arrow up. Uh, we go to Joy's office where Lawrence comes in. And twist of twists, Pete. He says that the board has voted. Joy, Ward, and Danny have all been ousted from Rand. Again, this is where I was like, oh, they've done this with a minority vote. Because Danny owns 51%. Presumably the, the Meachams own some more of that. But... I, again, I, I, I my, my small amount of business acumen. I know that there's different levels of shares, and yeah, there's there's ways for there's ways for companies to be publicly sold, but you know, but but um, what am I trying to say? An individual family to maintain control, even if it's a, a public stock. So I would assume the other ways around too that you could be the Majority owner? I don't know. Business listeners, let us know if this passes muster. Pete, take us to the warehouse. Some other business going down, Matt, in this bustling warehouse. But suddenly the lights are out. There's gunfire. The Yang clan shows up uh, in support of Colleen and Danny. Colleen takes down what I believe to have been the bearded uh, bodyguard from the elevator earlier. They find Radovan in a chair. Uh, he's asking about Sabina and Danny and Colleen explain she is fine. She's home. She's safe. Where is Gao? But you have to forgive me here. He gave them the secret to making the heroin. Where's Gao? Where's Gao? Ancho. And Danny reacts. We don't know why. I think he's Matt. He's dead, all right. Uh, and Ancho is the name of the city in China. That's where they would have gone 15 years ago if the plane hadn't crashed. That's where, oh, wait a minute. That's where um, Wendell Rand was taking his family. Oh, man. It turns out, Pete, head of Marvel Television, Jeff Loeb, was right. It is hash or hashtag. It's all connected. Indeed. Back at his penthouse, Harold is going over his financials with no, which note 
$243,174,981, even, Matt, even. And to think, Pete, that he's got to pay taxes on some of that. What kind of country is this? I get your point, though, that it's all, it's all, there's no mash the keyboard to get something that looks, that looks realistic. You, you can't have a zero balance twice in an episode if you're not cutting a check. It just seems kind of off here. But Ward comes in, um, his father thought he might stop by, but uh, how did he expect him to not know about the account there? He thought he raised him smarter than that. Uh, how do you think and who do you think kept it hidden from the SEC? Um, but uh, he's a lousy thief. Worse, Harold reigning supreme here <laughs> for what time is left passes off this theft as a dark hobby noting that a mistress would have been easier so uh, kind of throwing throwing insult into injury this idea that uh, to steal that amount of money it's not even about the money it's just about doing it do we uh, know that ward is with someone or married because a mistress when you're not just doesn't make sense i think that when harold said mistress the original draft said another word for <laughs> one who engages in sexy time for money um not a mere cheating person um probably somebody dialed that back and said look i know nobody's gonna have any problem with the race stuff in this show but we don't want to get in any problem with the gender stuff so this will just be win-win and the most popular show out of the four guaranteed and they're gonna announce season two has been ordered the day it drops and we'll all go out for drinks on saint patrick's day because it's, it's bulletproof, baby. Um, regardless, Ward claims that this is his money that his father has stolen. Nope, says Dad. It was from the employee pension fund. You know, the, the dirtiest the, the dirtiest steal is from the hardworking stiffs. And that we had an issue with dental benefits taken away from assistance. Matt, wait a minute. Hashtag, it's all connected. Harold tells him that Ward would have regretted it if he actually went through with this with this uh, theft. Uh, he would have regretted it for the rest of his life had he run away like a scared child. <gasps> the scared child who couldn't go hunting back in the day, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Harold here is slick and manipulative, uh, giving the proverbial thumbs up from his desk. It's quite a taco bowl, Pete. Uh, Ward claims that the happiest day of his life though, was when his father died. And Pete, that's where we see Harold punch his son in the gut. This is not the first time that Ward has been felled by a strike from his father. He's kept down by his father grabbing his ear, Pete. This is a wonderful scene. I look forward so much to there being more Harold scenes. Unless, of course, this is the last one and I will be sad. Tells him, you're my creation. You belong to me. To never forget that. Um, that... Uh, you know, the the stuff with Gao, Roxon, Midland Circle, Matt, where there's just that small matter of a gigantic hole in the middle of Manhattan that's somehow connected to the hand. And uh, the devil of, Hel of Hell's Kitchen can't hear any vibrations at the bottom of it because there's no end to it. 
Oh, that one. Yeah, I totally. I I didn't miss that reference at all. Yeah, I got them all. I got them all equally. The rocks on the other thing that you said, the hole from Daredevil. Uh, totally. It's all Pete. To be to, to to turn aside the joking for a second. Here's what the show does not have going for it. It's like you know that we are going to end up with the defenders, and unlike Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, where you are. Your story is trapped in the best sense in the past. And until you get to the present, then you must focus on the past. At any one of these points, it could be, hey, I'm attorney Matt Murdock. I'm nosing around because I'm secretly Daredevil. They're not doing it because that's not the episode order. And I think that's kind of baked into our knowledge that like you guys could all meet at any point here, but they're not. Not yet. Can't even mention them all just yet. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, Ward's had enough here and, um, he stabs his father six times holding the last, then sits down, then drags him into the swamp. Then we see Harold's bloody face in the water. We juxtapose that with Ward driving back and smiling before a long shot down the pavement. A free man, and suddenly the most interesting character in this show. Sparring partners. Let's see who Danny faced off against in this episode. Let's start, Pete, with Alexi, not named in dialogue, wisely uh, caught by you that he was named in the subtitles, which uh, is, is official enough for me. The, the talkie of the, uh, the hand crew in the beginning of the episode. Knife in the jacket, uh, wagging the tongue, of course. Got to carry the other guy who can't talk. <laughs> Which, uh, of course, is Vando, who just brings with him a presence and indeed a, a sweet fighting style, despite the fact that he gets the old uh, throat slit. Which, Pete, not many things give me the whirlies when watching a TV show or movie, but uh, the old throat slice always gets me every time. How can you not be sympathetic for a bad guy who not only had several fingers removed despite the, all right, you're going to fold them back in the close-up so it looks like they've been cut off, um, and a tongue, Matt, because he lied about it, because he was a human. <laughs> well, next on the list is the, the perhaps, Pete, the, the evil version of mary poppins that's what those shoes make me think of <laughs> madam gow revealed rather confirmed to be this uh this kind of anti-ceo this this head of this uh heroin operation here even taking meetings in the rand enterprises building because of the way they introduced wilson fisk to this world of marvel netflix new york um, you'd be hard pressed to not have him as your favorite villain, but given her longevity, given the nuance of the performance and frankly, just given the cool things she's done, she's vanished into thin air. She's survived where everybody else, uh, you know, Bob Gunton, uh, all, all these other, uh, you know, major domos have, have, you know, been taken out. And, and she remains as this little old lady who, uh, you know, stabs guys through the back of the neck, who has used 
her non-dominant hand to project an iron fist across a room and into a wall. Um, how can you not be enamored with this character? Oh, I mean, she's absolutely fantastic. And, and as mentioned in the previous podcast, some of the, the hanging thread left by the first season of Daredevil, uh, which felt incongruous because she just up and disappeared. Now you're getting that payoff a third season later, you know, showing up in the second season of Daredevil. Now this season of, uh, of Iron Fist, really, really great use of her here. Pete last on our sparring partners is Ward himself. Pride of Howell, New Jersey, Matt, Tom Pelfrey in an episode where quite a bit happens just looms so large being uh, emasculated by his father early on with, Oh, well maybe I didn't take you hunting must've been your sister. Anyway, dump these bodies for me. You're no good at ripping teeth out and you're a huge disappointment as a thief uh, to dumping his father's body in the very same swamp, which can we just address that for a minute? <laughs> the number of bodies that are floating around Pelham Bay Park at this point. But um, driving Pete, away. Pete, Pete, for people who are, who are outside the New York City area, they might just assume that that's where you go to drop off bodies. Listen, this is not like in the early days of Siri where you could ask it, um, ask her where's a good place to dump a body and she'd pull up a landfill. It's a real thing. Look it up. She won't do it anymore. <laughs> she doesn't know the answer to the question anymore. Wow. She, she uh, points that out, but you know what? Ward doesn't need it because he's his own man, Matt. He's a man. I'm a man. I kill my dad. I'm a man. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a fascinating twist on that whole thing that we've seen a zillion times over, you know, to, to once a character becomes orphaned, only then can they, uh, advance into adulthood i.e luke skywalker and and a zillion permutations before and after here though it's at his own it's at his own hand no pun intended um and just this really fascinating character moment because i was convinced we were taking harold to the end i was convinced that we were doing some sort of uh end of indiana jones and the last crusade thing where all of a sudden harold ages forward and turns to ash or something like that and for him to just be brutally stabbed to death death halfway through um certainly had had me uh, had my head spinning pete time to focus our chi and look inside this episode matt is harold truly dead he's beaten it before I hope not. Now, we have seen many, many times in Marvel television, let alone TV in general, where they don't quite have a great death planned. Um, frequently on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've had many a great character that just, their time comes and they are killed. Um, w without much fanfare befitting either the actor, Edward James almost, I'm thinking of you, uh, or, the, uh, or the character. Uh, there's a good half a dozen from S.H.I.E.L.D. and from elsewhere. To have this this tangibly uh, resuscitative character in Harold, if you're going to kill him merely by stabbing, I mean, this isn't incineration, this isn't nuclear blast, this isn't you know falling the the vat of lava. Um, I kind of have to think he's going to be back somehow. That that as Ward drives off free, we're headed towards you know towards Frank and Dad, 
Side note, wasn't the uh, the uh, Harold actor in Van Helsing where there is Frankenstein? I'm pretty sure he was in that. Um, so that would be kind of weird if he's back in the Frankenland. But I say he, I, I would bet with no knowledge of future episodes, I would bet that he'll be back. How about Bakudo, Matt? He's back. We didn't even know we missed him. Yeah, I, I don't know whether that was just some presumptive writing or whether there were some scenes cut perhaps i can't imagine there were cut scenes we're only you know seven episodes in still getting to know everyone still getting relationships set and the sort um i don't know it was slightly weird i feel like there needed to be one more line where she said and you've been in anchorage alaska all of these five years or just something to really hammer home like no 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 you didn't forget he hasn't been here. Um, I think, I mean, look, Pete, you and I who are watching these episodes at a fairly fast clip, let alone people who might be much more time between the episodes. I think Dude, the audience. I watched the entire series having watched the first six early on. I finished up that first day, but um, yeah, to, to throw him to us and he knows what an iron fist is. Uh, and Colleen seems to as well, despite the protestation that she doesn't clearly there's something bigger going on. Pete, I have a question for you. Will we see Ward truly free? He he thinks he's sloughed off this, uh, this burden of his father. Will that come to pass? The center can't hold Matt. Um, writing one Oh one dictates that you can't kill off the dad and and suddenly you're your own person. He's been called out by his sister before. Um, I would uh, expect more of the same. Let's listen to some messages from the mystical city of Kunlun. Pete, lots of great tweets since uh, when last we spoke. A tweet from Henry Perno, that's at Henry Dared, who said, Nothing better than hearing Peter J. Kedlar singing Take On Me on the Fantastic Geek podcast. Not really. There's a lot of better things. Uh, cold coffee, um, the smell of garbage. Uh, yeah, my singing is awful and... Uh, it it was noticed by uh, Jeremy Richards in Australia, Matt, who um, he he wrote in via the Facebook Messenger here. He left a nice review for us on the Australian iTunes Store, which strangely we in America cannot see or access. Um, but uh, he he also said great treatment, yet not dismissal of your latest quote, axe to grind, unquote, review on iTunes. Very classy. I would suggest you spend a little too much time on him, though. But it's your show, and you can do whatever the hell you like. Terrible aha singing at the end, though. Almost lost you. One star. Smiley face emoji. <laughs> uh, he had also uh, sent me a message personally on, uh, on uh, Twitter uh two points of uh of compliment here one is uh that um pete he alleges that there are some subtle political points hidden in the show pete i don't know what he's talking about i just 
know that we record from the top, the, the 45th floor of our own building and look out upon Central Park and all the meager people beneath us. He also said that uh, this all works in perfect harmony with Pete's style, with your style, Pete, some of the humor going on and things of that sort. So some love from Down Under. Little bit more love courtesy the fantastic geek um, iTunes feed where Stacy T in LG uh, writes in best Marvel podcast five stars. And she says, I love these guys and listen to all their Marvel podcasts. They know more about the MCU than any other podcaster. I enjoy the detail review of each episode, including commentary on the direction, music choice, and lighting. If I had any suggestion, it would be for them to quit their day jobs so they had more time to go into even more depth. I've been listening for two years, and they keep getting better and better. If you love Marvel, you will love it even more after listening to Fantastic Geek. Uh, that it were true that we could podcast full time, but uh, all the rest of it, such kind words, Pete, making me blush. Uh, we had another tweet here from uh, Jordan. That's at underscore the Canadian underscore um, regarding the, uh, the, the business machinations in this episode. He said, I had the same question. Uh, my wife said it was a board thing and not an ownership thing. Sketchy writing, but theoretically possible. That's good enough for me. I don't, this is well out of my, uh, well out of my, uh, my purview of knowledge. Um, that was confirmed by uh, a couple people on Twitter. And by the way, Pete, we share the, the bad along with the good. Our pal JJ Nato saying that uh, in, in, in response to a tweet about Bruce Wayne and Danny Rand having some stuff in common, he said, I know one thing they don't have in common, a quality live action origin story. So some <laughs> zing there. Burn. So with that, Pete, thank you to everybody who uh, wrote in. We'll, of course, continue to share your info in the future. I want to give a big thank you to uh, everybody who's helping us out on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Keeping things going and uh, always much appreciated. Again, whether you're given at the Danny Rand, Tony Stark level or more the uh, Peter Parker uh, high school student level, <laughs> we'll, it, it's all from the heart, which is what matters the most. Definitely want to throw a shout out to Jeremy Richards, who just started in on uh, Patreon. So thanks again. And you guys help keep the lights on around here. And who knows, Stacy T in LG, if uh, maybe there's enough Patreon action, then uh, maybe Matt and I can afford uh, health insurance and do this all day long, uh, every single day. So there is hope. And you guys can help that happen now that money that jeremy gives does that come like going counterclockwise or how does that work <laughs> i believe the coins go in the opposite direction into the little swirly dish okay got it um pete always free is being able to talk to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 9133 followers can't be wrong and while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, as Jeremy himself, he's like the star of the episode, Pete, uh, as Jeremy had reached out, uh, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you want. We are Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with the P, 
and the H, fantasticgeek.com, fantasticgeek at gmail.com, fantasticgeek on Twitter and Instagram too. Pete, are there any other social networks where people could be in touch? Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek. And I don't want to say that it was the influence of uh, the, the, the one review we got that we read in the last episode, but we, we actually lost to Facebook followers in a time, Matt, when I'm pretty sure one of them is, but at a time when we are running a contest here, uh, a raffle for a digital download, a free digital download of star Wars, uh, rogue one, a star Wars story that we are going to draw on Tuesday night after our live tweet of the return for the finale of season four, the final block of episodes of agents of shield. So, you know what? Uh, we, we need a little bit of a rally on the Facebook right now. So if you're on there, please consider liking it today. Um, and, uh, you'll be again connected with everything we do. We, we always post the episode, uh, to the website, to there, uh, it hits the Twitter, but it'd be another way to get it. And I know a lot of people have expressed um, gratitude for, you know, being on that Facebook feed and uh, getting a, a quick heads up when the episodes are available. Our Patreon patrons are always appreciated, but truly the greatest joy that we get is uh, hearing from people. Sometimes it's public interaction. Sometimes it's private. You know, we, we've heard stories of of how the podcast can help people get through the day, through some challenges, etc. So that's always what matters most, and it's always great to hear from you all. That said, I will say goodbye to all our listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. I love you, son. Wait, what? <laughs>